I don't know about you, but we're always looking for ways to get our kids involved and give back in our local community. That's why we're excited to tell you about Student Visionaries of the Year, a campaign by the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society, which is the largest nonprofit organization dedicated to creating a world without blood cancers. Student Visionaries of the Year is a seven-week philanthropic leadership development program for high school students. Participants form strong teams and fundraise in honor of a pediatric blood cancer survivor in their local community. I would love for Violet to do this program when she's in high school. This program is transformative. It not only helps students develop valuable life skills like project management, communication, financial literacy, and entrepreneurship, not to mention it looks great on college applications, but most importantly, it's also a chance for them to engage in meaningful work within their community and make a real impact on blood cancer patients and their families. You can learn more about Student Visionaries of the Year or even nominate a student at lls.org slash students. That's lls.org slash students. Hey, Mary, what time is Sarah going to hear? Uh, she's supposed to get here in about 15 minutes. Okay, let's decide on lunch before she arrives because she's going to want to go to Simple Things and I just cannot bear one more of their kale chicken salads. <laughs> All right, I'll get the menu book. Hi, and welcome to Happier in Hollywood, the podcast about how to be happier, healthier, saner, more creative, more successful, and more productive in a backbiting, superficial, chaotic, unpredictable, fundamentally insane world. I'm Liz Kraft, a TV writer and producer living in L.A., and with me is my high school friend and writing partner of 19 years, Sarah. That's me, Sarah Fain. On this podcast, we talk about being writers in Hollywood, how we balance a career and friendship, and how to survive the war of attrition that is life in Los Angeles. In this episode, we'll talk all things directing with executive producer, director of The Fix, Michael Cattleman. And then we'll share this week's high-tech notebook Hollywood hack. And we had a celebrity sighting, but the celebrity was one of us. We'll reveal all the details of Sarah's encounter with a fan. But first, an update. Uh, we got an email from Beatrix about our interview with The Fix's brilliant costume designer. She wrote, I liked the interview with Allison Fanger, episode 86, and I agreed with most of her tips. Unfortunately, in the end, the term fast fashion was used as if this was a good thing. Zara's amazing business model only works because its clothes are produced under the worst conditions for workers with a disastrous impact on the environment. Especially with Sarah's plan to do better for the planet, I was surprised that you didn't mention the impact of fast fashion. I'm convinced that if we make more deliberate choices with what we buy less differently, we can and still look sharp. Nowadays, there are great ways to build a good wardrobe. Think uniform, curated closet, capsule wardrobe, also as a young professional with limited resources. Beatrix makes a really good point. Yeah, you know, I have to say I've never even really heard the term fast fashion before now. And I spend zero time thinking about how clothes are made, sort of where they're made, the conditions. So I'm really glad she brought that up. And we should... Um, we should do a little bit more looking into that. Yeah, we absolutely should. And she's right. With my sort of goal of being kinder to the earth and paring down and having less, mm -hmm. um, I need to consider that. Yes. I so, need a curated closet. Yes. I'm going to work on that. So thank you for bringing that up. Okay, Sarah, it's time for From the Treadmill Desks Of, in which we discuss what's most pressing in our work psyches. And this week, it's collaborating with directors. 
And why is that on our minds? Because today we are speaking with one of our favorite directors, one of our favorite people, The Fix's executive producer, director, Michael Cattleman. Michael is a prolific director and executive producer known for both high-octane action and visually engaging, character-centric material. Michael made his directorial debut on the critically acclaimed China Beach. From there, he quickly established himself by directing iconic series such as Happ and Leonard, Scandal, How to Get Away with Murder, Justified, The X-Files, Northern Exposure, Smallville, and ER. Michael is also an accomplished pilot director. Four of his pilots have been picked up to series. So, Sarah, we're going to have to ask him his secret because that is an incredible record. Mm -hmm. In 2006, Michael directed his first feature film, Primeval, for Disney and Hollywood Pictures. Since directing that feature, Michael has established himself as an executive producer director on many series, including Michael Bay's The Last Ship, Zoo, Life on Mars, Gilmore Girls, and True Calling. Michael, welcome. Welcome. Thank you. It's nice to be here. Wonderful to have you here. Well, okay. First of all, can you explain to our audience what the role of a director, executive producer on a TV show is? Yes. It's kind of like um, it's all things. <laughs> you know, it's like a, being a fireman in a way. You kind of, <laughs> okay. Part of it is going where the fires are. But, you you know, it starts with the script. You read the script. You kind of visualize what it should be. And you're basically in charge of all the visuals or overseeing all the visuals of the show, making sure that it's consistent. It tells the story of the script, that the production design fulfills that story, that the cinematography fulfills that story. You want to make sure that everything feels of one piece and there's a consistency from episode to episode. So it really starts back when you're, you know, again, you read the script, you see what locations or sets that are going to be. You then work with the production designer and the other producers to design those sets and make sure that you know they are visually interesting that you can photograph them properly that the colors are all there that the palette is right so it's really just making sure that the overall visuals are consistent with the show and then there's also this sort of emotional aspect you're almost like a priest or <laughs> you're the person <laughs> yes. that everyone um, goes to with their complaints and concerns yes that's not the best part of the job <laughs> that would be the fireman part of the job yeah. it's the part you know, we appreciate most yeah, about i appreciate you. <laughs> that thank you <laughs> You know, it's, I mean, it's interesting because you're there, you're on the ground, and you're, again, everyone that you're working with are all artists, from the production right. designer to the DP to costumes to all the people. I don't care where you are. You these The people of you surround yourself with the right people, they care tremendously about the job. And so if it's not going their way, they may not necessarily be looking at the big picture. They're looking at one element that's not going their way. And so it's part of my job to oversee and really look at that big picture and go, okay, we may not be able to afford to do a staircase in this set, for instance. <laughs> uh -huh. But that staircase may be the most important thing to some people. And it becomes right. a really emotional situation that that staircase has to be there. But when you step back, you go, well, you know what? If we do it this way or that way, it will honestly be just as good. I mean, that's the kind of the decision. Will it be just as good or are we sacrificing something? I mean, at the end of the day, I think that a big part of my job is to make sure that what's in that box is as good as it can possibly be, that TV box, that when people turn on the TV at the end of the day, it's the best it can possibly be. And in doing that, trying to have a good time, <laughs> trying yes. to make sure that all those 
people that we're working with that are putting their heart and soul into the show and care and creating that kind of environment that people do care are really bringing and putting their best foot forward. Well, and TV is also such a collaboration because we bring in episodic directors. So you did, thank God, three episodes of The Fix. Yeah. So that was amazing. But then we had six more that were directed by outside directors who come in just for one episode. How do you communicate everything to them and make sure that everyone is kind of on the same page, you know? Visually. Well, that goes back to, again, what I was saying more about the visual. So when we all decide and the director's brought in, um, I'll sit down with that person and go through the cast. I'll talk about all the characters, which is the most important. Mm -hmm. I mean, really talk about who they were before they before they enter the backstory the backstory before the pilot as much as we've all discussed amongst ourselves who each character is and you really have to understand fully who that character is then we'll walk along the sets and we'll talk through and we'll talk through what the sets are how we've shot them what works and the whole time it's important not to tell them how to do it Mm, but right because yeah. the reason we bring a director in is to show it to bring a new vision into the show and want to encourage that but also you have to kind of stay within the style of the show. And once we've decided the style of the show, and I say that kind of loosely because, again, you still want to be surprised. There may be things that they do that we just go, oh, my gosh, this is horrible. Like, what happened? But that's part of it. That's part of the creative process. We all do it. I've done it many times. More (laughs) than I've never done anything. More than than I like to say. (laughs) But encourage them to really show um, and, and, and try and stay. Let expose them to everything we've learned, everything we've discussed, mm-hmm. everything we think, the pros and the cons of the show. And then as you walk through, again, walk through the sets, walk through the cast, walk through it. Then as they read the script, as they have questions, kind of help them through it. And then as we pick the locations, you know, for us on The Fix, it was really important to have scope, scope, yeah. scope. Like we really wanted to make it as cinematic as possible, have as much scope. And so that's a big part of when you're trying to find locations. And if you find the right location, it shoots beautifully. If you find the wrong location, (laughs) it's really difficult and it's hard to hide. So again, helping them in that process and encouraging them to hold out as long, believe it or not, as long as you can. So I think it's better to not make a decision immediately and say, Mm -hmm. that house is perfect. Let's look at all of them and let's weigh it out and then really just make sure we make all the best choices we can. So guide them through it. But again, I want to just reiterate, is not telling them how to do it, but just giving them everything and giving them all the information so they can make the best choices and make sure that we set up a safe environment for them to make those choices. Yeah. One thing I think people might not realize is how much we work together to make a, like a great show for the budget. And that's one thing, like as a TV writer, I think it does take kind of years, uh, and I'm sure director as well, years of doing it to realize the compromises that you will make and the ones that you won't make. Like mm-hmm. sometimes we'll hold out a long time for a great location because we think that'll really elevate the right. show. But if you come to us and say, as will you, you're a big fighter for good locations. <laughs> um, but if you come to us and say, can this scene be day? Can this scene be night? We usually say, sure. Right. Um, and so a lot of how the script ends up 
is is based on all these factors that you're talking about. And I do think it takes, you know, time to sort of, and and also what you said about being surprised. I think it's taken us time to realize, like, we need to let directors like you surprise us. So if you have a great idea for the script, we can't just hold on to what we have. We have to be open to changing it. Right. Well, a lot of that evolves, it's funny, again, is from the locations. It's like, again, when you look at it, your intent may be, if I write, if I read, you know, a chase through a building and I go, okay, let's go find a building to do this chase. And we go, wow, we can't find this chase to the building. The building doesn't exist. Like this building, we could force it and it would be bad. Like uh-huh. we could, you can do anything. We could shoot it and cheat it and do this. But if we make it so it's in a park. But this right. park is amazing because it's abandoned, it's under construction, and there's an old Ferris wheel, and there's all these great elements in there. And so then, again, to present an idea that goes, okay, we can't do this chase in the building. Are you guys cool if we do it in this park and look at it? Just if we're all open-minded about it, the shot, the scene will be that much better. Yeah. It's not being forced into it. Right. Yes. Yeah, so, so we've talked about um, – a way that it's good to work together. Mm-hmm. What is something that you find the most frustrating that writers do? We're asking for a friend. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've asked things for friends many times. <laughs> um, I think it's we, what we just said is that if there's not, it's a couple things. If there's not a collaboration and there's not a willingness to um, evolve. Mm-hmm. There's not a willingness to l- adapt and com- not necessarily, I don't mean compromise in a negative way by any means. It's that understanding that the the production side, meaning the director and the, the that side of it, myself, the director, the production designer, all those people are wanting to make the best show possible. And when um, the elements aren't lining up properly, not adapting to make it so we can still tell, mm-hmm. tell the best story mm-hmm. possible. So then, as I said earlier, you force it into something. So you do, you're just not doing a great job. Like, you'll still do the best you possibly can. You're never going to throw it in. But you know that, again, if you understand the story and you know that the story you're trying to tell, you want to make sure you can tell that in the best possible way. So I think it's really frustrating when there's not that collaboration. That it feels like it's right. there's there's a right. uh, that I'm that that I'm angling, that I'm right. trying to do something to undermine uh-huh. the concept. Like that always is amazing to me. That it's like when I come in and go, look, we've because by the time I bring something to you guys, we've vetted it a gazillion ways. Mm-hmm. Like I make sure that like the 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 producer and the AD team and no one just goes, we can't do that. It's like, what do you mean we can't do it? Let's see, let's try. So by the time I walk in and sit down with you guys and go, look, we tried, we can't find this. I've looked at it a zillion ways and it's like, but we can try this. So when Mm -hmm. that's met with, I'm the enemy, that's really frustrating. That's where I I think is the most upsetting part. Yeah. Now, my question for you, Michael, and this is selfish because I always say my, my ideal work mantra is strong, calm, kind. I got that from uh, another podcaster, but I, I often end up coming off as weak, hysterical, and mean. I don't think that's true. Uh, but, <laughs> well, Sarah does. But <laughs> not, often. not sometimes. <laughs> but you really do sort of embody strong, calm, yeah. kind. Uh, has that always been the case in your entire directing career, or is that something you've managed to sort of come to through experience? Like, how can, how, how do you do that? Because you always seem like you have answers, like you're not worried, even when inside you, you must be stressed. No, never. 
Never. No. Never. <laughs> I happen to know you lay awake at night. So. <laughs> Very true. Um, you know, it's interesting. Probably when I started out, I was a little more animated. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I'm a little more, emotion, more emotional about things. And, you know, um, but I've always – it's. I've always been this way. Like I've always been, I really enjoy what I do. And I look at it from, I really am, I'm being sincere. I'm really lucky to be doing what I do. And I think what we do, I mean, we make stuff up. Like literally are, when it goes really bad, it's because something we all made up didn't work. (laughs) It's like really, I mean, we may, we have to deal with budgets and we have to do that. That's the hard reality. And that's the business side of it. But at the end of the day, when we're sitting at the monitor and I'm looking at that scene and it's all working, there's nothing like it. It's just amazing watching all the elements fall. It's like a symphony. It's like, you're just going, this is amazing. So I think just the fact that I'm so happy, like I don't get, I'm really happy with what I'm doing. I know we'll get there eventually. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and it, you know, when it's not going well on set, I think it's important that I do put out that yes. calmness. But, right. of, yes. but of course, inside, my guts are ripping to shreds. Yeah, they are. Like, okay, I was I, wondering. No, 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 no. It's, I mean, but you have to put out calm. I try and breathe and I try and relax and I try and make sure that I stay focused. Again, what I said earlier, at the end of the day, if I can stay focused, then I feel that I can w- – do the best job I can to put in whatever is the, uh, our best for forward, what's in that TV at the end of the day. Like, that is the goal. So if I let myself get taken away with the emotion, if I let myself get really angry that something didn't go my way, mm-hmm. if I let, like, I've had actors go off on me, like, really go off on me um, for different reasons, and you just sit there and I go, I can fight right now, and I can get into a, I can engage, or I can let this go. It doesn't really bother me. And let's get back and focus and do a really great scene. So one version, I get a great scene. The other version, I feel really good because I, <laughs> but the scene's going to suck. <laughs> so yeah. 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 Well, and it's not even just what's going on immediately on set. We should say that during the, um, yeah. the season one finale, which you directed brilliantly, uh, you were evacuated from your house because of the Malibu fires that were going on. And, I mean, no one would have known. Yeah, your wife was literally, like, loading up <laughs> yeah. the truck with <laughs> items. And you were directing. That has to be so hard to compartmentalize like that. Because what people might not realize is because of our tight schedules and our tight budgets, the show goes on no matter what. Yeah, right. Like, it's not as if we could say, you know what, this isn't a good day for Michael. Let's all go home and come back tomorrow. You had to keep directing. Right. How do you compartmentalize that? Well, that was that was honestly very difficult. The day that we got evacuated, I left. We were going to shoot, and I left early. I think I left at 6 a.m. And as I, I live in Topanga, so I drove over the hill, and I saw the flames coming up oh my God. over far in the distance. Far in the distance. I went, oh, my gosh, this is bad. And so I got to work. I was like two hours early. And I went in the office, and I tried to reach my wife, and I couldn't reach her. You know, she's asleep and wasn't into the phone. And I'm going, okay, I, I got to get in touch with her. So then I called. Now I'm thinking maybe I should turn back and right. go wake her up. You know, before I started calling, I was going to, I hadn't, I had my sister lives in Santa Monica. I hadn't called her yet, but I'm, my brain is in this place and I know I'm shooting in two hours. So I called up our line producer, Mark, and I said, look, you know, the fires, I'm I'm a little concerned, you know, what's going on? I think it's going to be okay. We have a um, a person that's on top of it. You're going to be fine. And I was so honored that he had looked into my house and Mm. he had Mm. like, he was taking care of it. So I had, yeah. wow, this is amazing. Like now I can actually concentrate on directing. He's um 
you know, they have my back. This is great. So we talked about it a little further. I said, okay, but, you know, I feel I'm not sure what I should do. I wonder if I should tell you. because we really know what's going on. Like, it's all good. They're going to give us um, up-to-date uh, information. So seriously, we're on top of it. I go, okay, as the conversation went on, he then said, but we're just a little concerned about the rigging crew. I go, wait, wait, wait oh. what are you talking about? And he goes, the house in Malibu we're shooting. I go, Mark, oh I'm God. talking about my house. Like, <laughs> oh, my yeah. house. And oh he's like, God. what? <laughs> so I'm like, okay, got it. I'm good. That's good, the house. We're on top of that house in Malibu for our schedule. So unfortunately, I got my sister and she went and woke my wife up. Yeah, we should mention that. Oh, my we, God. We were going to shoot a house in Malibu that week as um, one of our main characters' houses. We used it before, and we ended up having to use a different house in Altadena. <laughs> Which is not at of, the beach. Because of the fires. So, um, But that's a good, I mean, that's a good example too. It's like when you talk about, and you guys handled this really well too. It's like when reality is there, we right. can't shoot the house in Malibu. We could stomp our feet. We could scream. We could be upset. Reality is, it's like, there's a it's, fire. Yeah. There's, a fire. <laughs> yeah. there's not a chance. So yeah. I think what was great is we just all regrouped, found a house. We went to visual effects to make sure we could see the ocean. The house looked great at the yeah. end of the day. I don't think anyone will ever notice. And we pulled it out. Yeah. And it was as little stress as possible. And, yeah. and everyone rose to the occasion. You know, the crew was, and the cast, it's like in that same situation. It's like the schedule changed daily. I mean, hourly. Yeah. You know, and everyone just kind of rolled with it. Yeah, it was kind of amazing. It really was. Go Team Fix. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, special shout out to the locations department on that. Yeah, that wow. was amazing. Everyone really rose to the occasion there. So, Michael, we have a lot of listeners who are breaking into the business. They want to be writers, directors, producers. What is your advice for people starting out who want to be directors? Well, I mean, now it's so easy to go shoot something. Right. Like, you know, when I was starting, there you didn't have that option. I mean, you did, but it was really about on, it was on film, and it was like you needed a crew, and you needed – it was such a production to try and pull together a little short. You needed a tremendous amount of resources. And yeah. now you can honestly go out and shoot is, you know – who was you can go with Soderbergh, I think, who shot a whole movie on his iPhone, iPhone yeah. you know, <laughs> but you can literally go and shoot a film. So if you want to be, you know, a writer or a director, you know, obviously go try and make your own film. Like that's the best thing. Get that experience and try and figure it out. But that's again, that's to try and if you have something amazing to show, that's the best thing to lead with. hundred percent. We always say that about writing. We're like, a, the, a great script is the best way to become a writer. Yeah, and then when you're yeah. talking about it, you hand it in, you go, yeah. here it is. And then it's and it's tough. It's networking. It's, you know, it's in the right place at the right time. It's, you know, when I started, I, was a, I became a PA. And so I worked my way up and tried to do as many jobs as I could and was fortunate enough to have someone that really believed in me and gave me an opportunity. So, and who was that? That was John Sacred Young. On China Beach, oh, yeah. which was amazing. Well, amazing place to start. Yeah. I mean, what a show. Oh, it was amazing. It was a, a great show, great, surrounded by amazing people. Um, and when I went to go shoot that show, I knew at that point I really wanted to direct. And I said to John, I really want to direct. Like, this is what my passion is. And um, he, I was always his AD when he was directing. He was phenomenal and incredibly supportive. So we had this big dinner table scene, and one day he just turned to me, and he goes, set yours? 
And I went, no. Wait, what? Oh he goes, set yours. And it's every cast member around oh. the table. And what was amazing, he just looked at his watch and he goes, and you have 45 minutes. And he became the AD. Oh, <laughs> my God. So I, I shot that and um, it went well. And then, wow. then amazing. they let a director go about five episodes later. And so he let me finish that episode. Okay. So I had two days and then he gave me an episode. So um, go out and shoot something. And, you know, you just got to try and network as much as possible. Do anything. I mean, we always say it's Hollywood really is about relationships and people do help each other. People do mentor. People do bring you up. But you've got to be in the situation to to be helped. Yeah. I just want to be there on set should we get a season two uh-huh. when you turn to Werner, your assistant, who's a director, <laughs> yeah. and say the set's yours. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. He's ready. You know, he's so short. I feel faint I to even think about that happening. <laughs> I, you must have been. It's good he didn't give you any warning because oh, you would have worked yourself up into a. <laughs> well, I'll tell you another story. I had this scene with Dana Delaney. He's amazing. And that scene, China Beach, was really dramatic. And yeah. um, really tough show. And so she's doing this. In, and it was also huge shots. Like, you know, the biggest talent shows who could do the biggest one oh. <laughs> Literally, we're doing these massive shots with helicopter stuff. And I had this really dramatic scene with her. And um, she's amazing. And so, I mean, look, you know, I'm like directing for the first time. And mm-hmm. it's Emmy Award winning Dana Delaney, who I respect so much. And it's this incredible scene. And she cries her heart out and she gave it all. And I'm looking and I walked up and it was, I said, cut, walked up. I go, that was amazing. Are, are you okay with it? Why would I say something like, how are you? Are you okay with it? And she turns, she goes, I don't know. You're the director. How was it? And it was like the best lesson. It was like, it was amazing. Cut print. I'm like, oh, right. okay, okay. That's right. I'm the director. I got <laughs> You're in charge. I'm in charge. Nice. So, it was like so day two of directing in yeah. my life. Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> it was a great lesson. She's right. <laughs> You're the director. Now, Michael, we have to ask you what we ask all of our guests. Yes. What makes you happier in Hollywood? Wow. What makes me happier in Hollywood? I think being on a set, shooting, um, that's when I'm in my element. Mm. Something that I'm, I really believe in and I'm surrounded by great people, just being in that element. There's nothing like it. I really enjoy that process. Well, we love working with you, as you know, and we hope to be doing it for many seasons to come so as do i knocking March on wood everybody monday, <laughs> mondays at 10 p.m um you can see the fix and uh three of the episodes were directed by mr michael cattleman three great episodes well thank you very much <laughs> thank you so much for coming all the way from topanga today yes <laughs> it was my pleasure i enjoyed it thanks michael <laughs> thank you Uh, Coming up, a Hollywood hack that speaks to my love of notebooks and my desire to help the planet. But first, a word from our sponsor. Liz, there is nothing I love more than having a delicious meal that I didn't have to cook, which is why I have been getting no prep, no mess meals from Factor. Meet your wellness goals in time for summer thanks to the menu of chef-crafted meals with options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Factor's fresh, never-frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, you'll always have time to enjoy nutritious, great-tasting meals. Last night, I had blackened salmon with broccoli and with cauliflower rice. It was so delicious. It was the perfect dinner. 
Head to factormeals.com slash HIH50 and use code HIH50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code HIH50 at factormeals.com slash HIH50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Okay, Sarah, it's time for this week's Hollywood Hack, Rocket Book Everlast. Oh, my God. Explain what this is to everybody. Okay, so this is a Christmas present that I received from my friend Catherine, who is an amazing gift giver. (sighs) And this is a reusable notebook. So you use erasable pen Mm -hmm. in the notebook, And you can just use this notebook over and over and over and over again. You can either erase the pen or you can wipe it clean with a microfiber cloth. Mm. And at the bottom of every page are little symbols. And you circle the symbol and you can scan it into your phone. There's an app for the phone. And email it to different files on your computer or, in my case, iPad. So it's like you don't – when you wipe it clean, it doesn't have to be gone. You can just store it. So it's basically you're writing stuff down. Then if you want to store it, you can store it. If you don't care about it, like it's a grocery list, then you can just wipe it clean and not send it to a file. Exactly. Or like I wrote a grocery list, emailed it to myself, then I didn't have to take the Ah. notebook to the grocery store. I just could look at my phone and be like, okay, I have milk. I have this. Mm. It's phenomenal. I had looked at it like, you know, there were ads on Facebook and whatever, and I'd kind of seen it and thought, oh, that's interesting. Maybe I'll try that out. Oh, my God. It's so fun. I'm so grateful to Catherine. What's funny, Sarah, is as soon as I saw that you had this, I was like, oh, my gosh, I saw that on Shark Tank. Because, you know, Jack and I love to watch Shark Tank. Yes. And that was one of the products. And we were both wowed by it. We thought it was amazing. And the guy did not get a deal, which Jack and I were shocked about. I'm shocked, We thought it was such a great idea. And I don't remember exactly why he didn't get a deal. But I looked it up, and since his time on Shark Tank, I think he's the company has made like $10 million or something. So clearly um, it has not hurt that they did <laughs> not get a deal on Shark Tank. Um, but I had thought, like, does this really work? It's one of those things that really sounded too good to be true. Uh-huh. So I looked at yours, and I can report to everyone it does work. And it's not that expensive. I mean, I would think it would cost like $200, right. but no. it's more in the $30 range. Yeah, exactly. So it's really a doable product. And for me, it's great because, you know, I've been carrying my bullet journal around with me everywhere for years yeah. at this point. And now I can really separate them and have my bullet journal be the thing that I right. leave by my bed. And then I have this rocket book that I can just carry around everywhere. It's thinner than a regular notebook. It's lighter than a regular notebook. It's just much easier to kind of manage as the thing that I bring with me everywhere. And we should say this is not an ad. Not an ad. Not an ad. Just Sarah a cool product. Just loves her, her gift. Yep. So um, Catherine, well nice done. gift giving. Next up, this week's special celebrity sighting. But first, an ad break. Okay, Liz, here's some quick math. The less your business spends on operations, multiple systems, delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. So to reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs, you cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems, and you improve efficiency 
efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash Hollywood. netsuite.com slash Hollywood. netsuite.com slash Hollywood. Okay, Sarah, it's time for this week's celebrity sighting, sort of. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Explain what happened. <laughs> okay, so... Um, last weekend, Violet and I were at Disney on Ice. Every year we have a tradition of going to see Disney on Ice. Um, and I was walking Violet back to our seats after intermission, and I heard this very excited voice go, Sarah Fane! And I thought it was someone I knew, um... And then she goes, oh, no, I just listened to your podcast. <laughs> um, and she goes, I love your podcast. It's my favorite podcast. And she told her friend about it. And it was so sweet because I was there with Violet, who, of course, thought it was, like, the coolest yes, thing in the world. Yes. And what I loved about it, really, and um, she introduced herself. Her name is Heidi. Thank you, Heidi. It really felt like it wasn't like, obviously, since we're not actual celebrities, yes. it wasn't <laughs> like that kind of celebrity thing. It was very much tonally like, oh, hey, there's my friend. Yeah. And it was so nice. And it really made my uh, day and weekend, other than Disney on Ice, which was very cool, too. Violet loved it. Oh, good. Um, also not an ad. <laughs> anyway, I loved it because, you know, often I'll be walking with you yes. and people will recognize your voice. Yes. And then you'll be like, oh, and this is Sarah. And they're like, OK, whatever. Um, <laughs> and sometimes it's because they're happier fans. And sometimes it's just because they rightfully adore you. Oh. <laughs> um, so it was just very nice. It was it made me feel very good. Well, what I love is hearing it's it's nice to hear from someone that like they're we're actually helping people with all of this information yeah you know, well, you know that, what was that it is resonating yes what was interesting is she's not in the business she said oh um, that's she, interesting yeah she just was interested and you know hopefully it was helping her in other areas of yes. her life but it, it was really nice good well now you're officially someone's celebrity <laughs> yay <laughs> And that's it for this episode of Happier in Hollywood. Email us or send us a voice memo to happierinhollywood at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and please subscribe if you haven't already. Thank you to our incredible guest, Michael Cattleman, for joining us today and for exponentially improving both our lives and our show over the last eight months. Thanks to our producer, the amazing Chuck Reed, and everyone at Sancola Sound. You can follow them on Instagram, at Sancola Sound. Thanks to everyone at Cadence 13. Thank you to our assistant, Mary Merkins. And as always, thank you to Gretchen Rubin. Happier in Hollywood is part of the Onward Project. Get in touch. I'm on Instagram at Liz Craft and Sarah is at S. Fane. We also have a Facebook group. Search for Happier in Hollywood on Facebook to join the conversation. Until next week, I'm Sarah Fane. And I'm Liz Craft. Thanks for joining us. It's a fun job. And we enjoy it. How was your um, holiday? Where'd you Great. go? I just went to the Golden Door with my sister. It's like camp for like women in their 50s, 60s, and 70s. Oh, it's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> it's like 6 a.m. hike followed by like Zumba and, <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and yoga. That reminds you of that commercial. <laughs> yeah, no, it's amazing. <laughs> and then they have like a shaman, an astrologer, an acupuncturist. You sure this it's, isn't in Topanga? <laughs> it's, it's very Topanga. It's yeah. very Topanga.